Welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And we are with Codal Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. That is correct. We are here in Wisconsin Rapids, serving the greater Wisconsin Rapids area. So, of course, these shows are pre-recorded, but this happens to be the end of December that we're recording this episode. It is right December now. 16th. And we just went through springtime. We did. We had our beautiful winter. I hope everyone enjoyed their two, over two inches of snow. I saw that the snowmobilers were able to get out. So at least the sleds made it onto the snow and um, we woke up to green grass this morning. Yes, because we had 50 degrees yesterday and 70 mile an hour winds. Yes. Not quite a duratio, but parts of the state of Wisconsin did have tornadoes. That is correct. And we're really hoping that everyone is doing well. And we know that this weekend probably is going to be a little bit of a cleanup, getting the Christmas outdoor Christmas decorations back into the correct yard, along with the garbage cans. And trees and roof parts and all that jazz. Right. Luckily, you know, everyone without power overnight had um, a little bit of a good weather. Mm-hmm. To, to be having that done. I know a lot of places were up and running within a few hours of losing power, but other places didn't uh, get power back on until six or seven o'clock the following morning. Well, even this morning, even at 10 o'clock in the morning, we still had some areas without power mm-hmm. too still. So hopefully everybody in the area have got power by the time this airs. Oh goodness. I hope so. I hope so too. Because this should be airing on the 22nd? No, 19th. 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 We just went over this. Of December. 19th of December. (laughs) Welcome to Sunday, the 19th. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it was a very exciting storm. And again, we always talk about storm preparation of what to do and uh, really helped to kind of have those couple moments of preparation before the power went out, uh, lit a couple candles so that way we could see. And the nice thing is we do have little lanterns that everybody gets to carry around the house and everybody got their lantern last night. And we remembered to go to the basement. Yes, we did. Yes. Um, especially we're, we're not used to storms in December like this. No. Usually this comes between March, April, May and August. Right. You know, storm season. And so December storms are kind of interesting. Because they're they're not the regular weather pattern. No, and they're always a little bit more unpredictable. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, I remember it was eons ago, but we had that 80 degree weather in February. Okay. For like a week, we had 80 degree weather. It was awesome. It was great. But then all of a sudden, the very next week, it turned back into typical Wisconsin weather and snowed three feet and it was back to the negative 45. Yep. That'll happen again. Yep, that's what I'm expecting. So it's nice to see the green grass, although um, kind of missing the green. I'm hoping the white comes back for the Christmas. Exactly. I mean, that that's one of the perks of being up here in the upper Midwest is to have snow for Christmas. It is. And sometimes also to have all four seasons in one day. Yep. So spring was nice this year. It was on December 15th. That's correct. And hopefully winter will be back on the 17th. You bet. So. What else do we have going on? Oh, we've got a lot kind of going on. Um, I would tell you that we're, we're going to be doing some open houses, but I believe that by the time that this airs, we're going to be kind of heading into that Christmas week. And I won't be doing any open houses, but that following week, we definitely are going to have some open houses on the Sundays. Well, that would be New Year's. Mm-hmm. And so then we're going to start back up with the open houses into January. Yes. Yes. I'm hopefully I'm going to sneak one more in on a Sunday afternoon that week of New Year's. Okay, that would be January 2nd. Because New no, Year's. No, in December. I think we have one more. Oh, that's right. We can't because it would be the 26th, but then. Correct. Um, so you're the day after Christmas. So the day after Christmas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so and, we are going to be looking at doing open houses in January. You're you right. betcha. Okay. I walked myself through that one. And that's okay. This time of year does get confusing. It really does. And that's why sometimes if we're, I mean, we're still working Mm -hmm. and we're still showing houses, we're still listing properties, but if you're a buyer looking to purchase the house, understand it'll take us a couple minutes because we have to figure in some dates and deadlines and how to work around those 
this season um, because other places are closed. The courthouse has specific dates that are closed. The mm-hmm. title company has dates that are closed, trying to find contractors. We, we need to sit down with the calendar for a little bit. And too, we got to look at if you want to go see a home, we need to check to make sure that it's okay with the homeowner. They may have their Christmas um, events on the day that you want to go see the home. So just give us a couple, you know, a little bit of time to be able to organize a showing for you during this two weeks of, I'm not sure if it's party season, but it's two weeks of there's Holiday a lot of extravaganza. Exactly. It's like two weeks of just. Everything has got things going on. Right. Now, looking into the new year, a lot of people are, are saying, well, you know, let's, let's wait. Let's just wait till the new year. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can for whatever reasons, and there are plenty of them, just like we went through. Right. Um, but if you're looking to sell your house, now is a good time to get us in there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're fixing to list it, Soon in January, we can get some holiday pictures. I think we discussed this a little bit already. We did. But, you know, we can throw in some of the holiday decor pictures along with the normal listing photos. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and on t- top of it, too, you know, this is, we got the two weeks. We've got a lot of things that s- businesses will be closed due to the holidays. And it will give you a little bit of an opportunity to maybe paint the room or right. get some of the quick touches done. That mm-hmm. need to happen before we list it in January. So using these two weeks that are coming up here to get the home ready for that listing is an excellent opportunity or a great chance to get those those little five minute projects done. Or even if if you're thinking about packing things up and you have you know family or extra friends coming over for holiday festivities, ooh, we got so a making, packing party. Exactly, making it a party. And, and get those extra hands in there because you know, more hands make less work for everybody. Exactly. Well, that's a good idea. Right. So this is a really good time to sell your house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the numbers that we're looking at are trending that way as well. So as far as uh, market numbers and all that jazz, it's still trending that this winter time is going to be a, another great season to sell your home. And we have plenty of buyers that are still looking to buy. It might, like you said, the, these couple weeks here with the holidays might lull a little bit, but right back in January. Right. And we've seen this, you know, really the last two years. Mm-hmm. You know, if we looked at it three years ago, you know, there was that traditional, oh, we're going to wait till the snow gets over with, till the cold gets over with. We won't listen until March, April. Right. But as we started watching those trends, you know, yep, 2020 taught us that we can move whenever we wanted to. Mm-hmm. We can ignore that. and. We're going to list and we're going to move and, or we're going to buy during the cold months. And we've seen more consistent listings in this January and February than what we've ever seen before. So we kind of take some of those typical stereotypes of the only time to list is during March. Now it is still a good time to list. It's still popular time Mm -hmm. to list. And if your property is needing more than just a couple quick touches, then now's the time to again call us and we can work through that plan with you because springtime is the best time to list, mm-hmm. but it's not the only time that will give you still a profitable return on, on your listing experience. Correct. So yeah, I mean, you're thinking about it, just give us a call. We'd be happy to come on over and sit down and just start the conversation mm-hmm. of, you know, this is what we think we need, we need you to do. And we can go from there as far as a plan or listing your home. A lot of it then was going to focus on things that you can do during the colder months. So it's a lot of interior renovating or touch up stuff. Mm-hmm. But that also, I think people get overwhelmed in the springtime when they want to do that. Plus all of the exterior work as well as, as far as landscaping and curb appeal. Mm-hmm. You can still have good curb appeal in the wintertime. Uh, especially if you maintain your access ways and driveways and, and whatnot. A couple snowmen in the front yard. Always looks cute. Exactly. Yeah. But you don't have to focus on, you know, if you feel like you need to have that manicured front yard experience, mm-hmm. well, now that anxiety can be squelched a little bit, and it's a good thing so that you can focus on, uh, I don't want to say more long-term investment items, but they kind of are because 
you're going to be living in your kitchen all the time or, yes. or your interior spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Great, great time to list. Excellent time to list. So definitely. So we had our sales meeting on Wednesday. So we had mm-hmm. some good conversations at the sales meeting about um, kind of like five good questions that we always seem to get asked during the holiday season. Sure. You want to tackle those five questions for our listeners? I think so. I think now would be a good time. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Okay. Will there be a rush of foreclosures as the forbearance programs wind down? All right. So that's usually a lot of questions that everybody has is about the foreclosures. We're going to start to see them because of the bank's during COVID saying that, you know, yep, you're having some financial problems. We're going to put you in the forbearance program where you don't need to be paying your mortgage. But once those programs are over with, you need to make payments back. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the amount of homes that are coming into the foreclosures, now we've got a bunch of charts and graphs and that's what I'm looking for right now. So that way I can get my... My numbers. I love charts and graphs. I know you do. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the number of mortgages that are in that active forbearance, um, we had noticed that they started to fall significantly. So when this started back in May of 2020. About then? We had 4.76 million properties go into the forbearance program. If I'm reading this correctly. Right. The thing with the forbearance programs to be noted is a lot of people who put their homes into those programs were savvy enough to do so right away. They saw that the economy was going to be pushing them out of the workplace, but they probably had a job that would let them come back in. You know, it was going to be a very temporary thing. And they were savvy enough to right away say to the bank, hey, whole, let's take advantage of this. And we're going to do what we can and be fiscally responsible and put money away so that we can repay this properly when we get back. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what the majority of those forbearance programmed properties have been doing, right? Correct. So if we look at, so that was in May of 2020. So if we look in October of 2020 as well, that number dropped down to... million. Right. So almost half. Right. So half of it, they came out of the forbearance. Mm -hmm. And so as we're kind of looking at, even now, we're kind of kind of jump up really far ahead because those are our next numbers. But if we look in November of 2021, we're looking at 1.1 million homes that are in active forbearance. It's still right. And the, um, so even if half of those get paid back and we still have a half million mm-hmm. that don't get paid back forbearance and they do go into foreclosure, we have to understand that the balance of what would have gone into foreclosures in a normal market anyway mm-hmm. got stifled because the government said you can't put people out of their homes, you can't foreclose on them during this pandemic portion. Correct. So they offered the forbearances as an option. Um, so all of the foreclosures that would have happened normally anyway, and uh, another chart that we've, we've got here from, uh, I believe it's National Association of Realtors, um, kind of breaks down that each year from 2017, 2018, 2019, we've been averaging about 280,000 foreclosures every year. And that's nationally. This is not just the state of Wisconsin. This is a national number, correct? Right. Yep. Okay. So are the forbearance numbers that we were talking about. Okay. So in 2020, because there were some foreclosures that started before the um, government said you can't do that. So there had been 129,000 started then, which means we've left with an average balance of 161,000-ish. Okay. So now in 2021, we began the year with the government still mandating that 
you can't do the foreclosures. But toward the end of the year, that got lifted. Mm -hmm. And so in 2021, uh, the first half of 2021, about 19,000 foreclosures were initiated. Okay. So those statistically then were about 270,000 short in this year. So add the two together, you know, roughly about 450, almost 500,000 that we are short because the government said you can't do the foreclosures. Okay. So if we're looking at statistical numbers, we have a void of foreclosure possibilities of about 500,000 nationally. Now you go back to your first chart, like you said, and of the 4.75 million forbearance program properties, we're now down to just a touch over 1 million. So worst case scenario, half of those go into foreclosure because really we still have a little bit of time here that, you know, those last push can get their, their forbearance reevaluated or get into a payment plan. And those are definitely options that people are going for. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, I can't pay this lump sum. It's been a while. <laughs> so, you know, let's look at other programs. Other options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we're left with is about a half a million possible foreclosures nationwide, which fills almost exactly the void that would have been normal in a normal real estate market for the last couple of years anyway. Okay. So question being... Will there be a rush of foreclosures as the forbearance programs wind down? People are thinking that it's going to be another 2008, 2009 scenario where there was millions of foreclosures. And this is just not going to be that same trend again. No. And a lot of people may have realized that the house is going to go into foreclosure. So they've already put it up for sale. So that way they can avoid the foreclosure on the house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Definitely, we're not going to be looking at any high spikes of foreclosures from what the numbers look like. Right. And part of that is because of where the price points are. And a lot of people are correlating that, oh my goodness, the price of housing is so high now. You know, well, that, that's good because you've got equity in your house. Even if you've only purchased the house two years ago, found yourself in a forbearance program, and or foreclosure type situation, well, again, if you're savvy enough and the bank says, hey, why don't you try to sell it first, you, you're far more likely now, two years later, to get a whole lot of equity enough to pay back that loan in full and mm-hmm. have it not be a foreclosure on your, on your record or in the market as well. And we, we've seen a couple of those here locally. Yes. But of course, this is going to be focused more on the the metro areas where we've got um, statistically and traditionally people living a little bit farther beyond their means Mm -hmm. than they do here in rural central Wisconsin. Correct. Okay. Okay. Right. And I love the numbers. I know you do. And we come with charts and graphs today. So that's even excellent. Uh Uh-huh. Ooh, the next one. Okay. Okay. So will the strong buyer demand that we've seen over the last two years Will that continue? Oh, I'm going to go with, yes, sir. It is going to continue. Sure, of course. So we've got the lower, we still have the lower interest rates. So I think, I'm not sure if I'm jumping ahead here. Well, home sales are forecasted to increase somewhat in 2021 here. And Mm -hmm. and they certainly have. Yes. we've, We've looked at those numbers, you know, pretty much monthly. Right. And we went over the statistics last week about what, November's numbers were and the increase that we've seen and we're it's still going strong our buyers are still hanging in there they're still trying to find homes which is great so what about 2022 what's that forecast now we've got forecast from models uh, provided by Fannie Mae Freddie Mac National Association of Realtors and Mortgage Business Association all right so from them excuse me Mortgage Bankers Association Right. So the Friday Mac and the NAR, they're roughly looking at about 6.8 million for 2022. That's a home sales forecast. Yep. Now, what was 2021? What did they 2021, forecast? they both came in with 6.8 million both. 
Okay, so they're forecasting, again, the same amount of consumption, mm-hmm. same amount of home sales forecasted in this next year upcoming. Correct. All right, so if we're looking at Fannie Mae um, in 2021, it was $6.7 million, and they are forecasting in 2022 $6.6 million. So roughly about the same, a little bit less, but roughly the same. Um, the MBA, they... Uh, in 2021 was our 6.9 million and they are forecasting in 2022 to be doing 7.5 million. And each of these entities has a different viewpoint. Um, if you're looking at the viewpoint of the national association of realtors, I mean, we, us as real real estate salespeople have a, a different, um, feel a different, I, okay. Feeling is a bad word but we've got a different background of what we see in the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're dealing with the buyers and sellers directly so much. Mm-hmm. Looking from the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're correlating the secondary market. And, and what is that secondary market going to bring in and handle and whatnot? And so those uh, sort of government-backed, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, are anticipating very similar years coming to what we had. Mm-hmm. So was National Association of Realtors. Now, the Mortgage Bankers Association is a, a little bit different take because they focus not only on that secondary market, like Freddie Mae and Fannie Mac. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They're fun to say. Come on. It is. So on the mortgage side, they also take into account all of the other mortgage types and products. Um, even from you know the the homegrown local state banks or you know, trust banks what whatnot mm-hmm. that hold their mortgages in house locally, right? So they're anticipating that we're going to increase sales in twenty twenty two. So none of those numbers are going down. No, no, definitely not. So you know that that question of hey. Are we still going to be strong here in the upcoming year? Is things going to bubble, bubble and bust? We don't think so. We don't think so. So the takeaway for the selling portion of this, if you're looking to sell your house, you haven't missed out. No, you definitely have not. Still give us a call. We can sell your house in 2022. It'll still be you know, anticipated to be just as strong as what we've seen this past year. Mm-hmm. Of course, 2020 was an anomaly, but you know we we've made up for all that downplay of um, market lack all the way back from 2010. Right, and you know we've seen the market still with a little little bit of lack of homes, and yes, we could get your house on the market. You're going to get multiple offers on your house, more than likely, uh, just because. There still is a limited number of homes out there and people are still wanting to move to our area. Oh, yeah. Which is really great. It's great to see that our area is still strong. We're still bringing in people who are moving from out of state or from a different part of Wisconsin and they just like the central Wisconsin area. So it's really great to see that they do want to live in our small hometown. And if you're listening and you're thinking about all the reasons why you wanted to come here in the first place or other reasons why you're staying here currently, mm-hmm. um, especially if you had options to move, found yourself coming back again, that's why pe- other people are coming, you know, for all those same wonderful reasons. And, you know, what we've been trying to promote on the podcast and show everyone that this is a great area to be in. Yes. So that kind of flows into the next question a lot of people have, are home prices in a bubble and is that about to burst? Well, that's all about the inventory, isn't it? That is all about the inventory. And again, I mean, if we are looking at the amount of homes that are up for sale, there's very few, I believe. I mean, in a little bit, we're going to bring up the MLS. We're going to take a look at that. But I believe today's number is 38. I believe last week was 37. We're at 38. Now, yes, some homes have come on the market while some have come off. So it's not the same 38 homes as last week. There's some new ones. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, there are some that have been on there for a little bit, but that's okay. They're still waiting for that perfect family to come by and hug and love them. So, and you'll hear me say that all the time that when you, when I take you to homes, when we do showings, I want to make sure that the house hugs you, that you just, when you walk in, you just kind of feel like this is home. I feel that I could be safe here and I really want to come home to this location. So it's that hug, hugged and loved feeling that you get when you walk into homes. And we know that you're going to experience times where you get 70 mile an hour winds and you're hunkered down. Yeah. And does it feel like you're in a castle mm-hmm. or does it feel that you're wrapped in tissue paper? And it's the tissue paper homes that, you know, that you kind of, maybe you feel comfortable in those, Sure. you know, but you know, as far as how we go about talking with buyers, you know, we want to make sure that when you have a bad day, been a bad day, everything went wrong, but you still got to come home. You're going to come home and go, I'm just glad I'm home and can relax and enjoy being home. Or is it going to be coming home and going, crap, now I got to work on the bathroom. Now I've got to go work on this. The floors are cold. I hate the floors, hate the walls. And it just is, again, another sad, depressing day. So we always want to make sure it's a happy experience when you come home. mm -hmm. It's happy. You feel hugged and loved. And then there's the other people who we can find similar hugged and loved feelings by having the project property. Right. And perhaps that's that's the thing that you like. It is. I mean. I, I know you really, really enjoy getting to know the people that you're working with. Yep. And what makes them, you know, go around and finding the property that fits them well, because there's something for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you gotta, gotta have a little bit of vision, you know, but these are all homes built by somebody else for a particular purpose. Reasons and right? they did it their way. All right. So if we're back to our, our question here, so sure. we are still currently in a seller's market. Right. So if we are looking at, the amount of homes that are available and how long they stay on the market, we're still looking at about a two-month supply of homes on the market. So that's why it's important when we go over the the trends and the sales numbers of how many properties sold in a particular month. Mm -hmm. Because if you've got 30 homes, for instance, that may have sold in a particular month, but now we're looking at how many properties are currently out there to you know go see and such like that if this last year if we can see consistently that every month we're selling 30 ish about homes well now we see that uh, on the mls we only have 60 offerings you know some of them may be in process some of them might be new mm-hmm. what whatnot then that's only a two mark or two month inventory so, right and, and, you know, we kind of look, we can look at the chart and way back in 2008, 2010, if you can remember that far back, there was an extreme amount of homes on the market. I mean, you could go look at 20, 30 homes in your price range, and then you had to figure out which one you really liked the best. Mm-hmm. It was a buyer's market back then. And then eventually we switched over into the seller's market. We have been there for quite a while. And it looks like we are still maintaining that seller's market. One of the um, metrics that we use is about a six-month supply Mm -hmm. of inventory is considered about a neutral market. Um, And most people, that's because most people can handle the house sitting for about six months, mm-hmm. um, especially in this area. Most people are, again, savvy enough to have put away enough funds to pay for the mortgage and the gas and electricity, all that stuff for a couple of months. Correct. Now, when it gets to be a year, that begins to really get a, um, you know, a, a, a pain to have to deal with that house sitting. Mm-hmm. And, of course, back in 2010... Most of those, I shouldn't say most of those, but a good portion of those were, you know, foreclosures or distressed properties of some sort. Correct. So we've got a long way to go before we even get back to a modest neutral market. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, right now we're still looking at about a two-month supply, and that's why things are going so fast. Right. 
And that's why, you know, we always stress to the buyers, make sure that you go to the lender, you get your pre-approval letter, you get everything all figured out because we want to make sure that when that home comes on the market, we can get you in and we can get you that home versus looking in the wrong price range. Mm -hmm. And that's why working with the sellers, we really try to stress the have your house show ready and ready to show off all of its assets because we're going to have a short window of time to show it off and buyers are going to be looking for particular things in different price ranges. Right. So having that $300,000 home touch up the paint, you know, they don't want to see, you know, scuff marks in the paint or on the floor, put up the trim, that sort of thing, because that's what they're expecting out of a $300,000 home, you know, so each bracket, we know what buyers are looking for. So we really work with our sellers quite well of making sure that the home is ready, is show ready. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, price point and increasing price point has been a trend for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are getting a little bit scared that it's going to become unaffordable. Right. Um, so we've got some information from CoreLogic. They're another, you know, uh, should I say, um, economic development team. They've got economists looking at all these numbers and trends and kind of can forecast. We've kind of gone this this past year with a steady increase and uh, of home prices, rather, a steady mm-hmm. increase of home prices this past year. But we can look, and the last half of the year has really, really moderated. It hasn't decreased. Okay. It, it slowed down a little bit. And even with the traditional push from early in the springtime and early in the summertime that we always see that usually pushes sales numbers and pricing numbers up. But we can look statistically and see that things are moderating very well instead of crashing. Correct. You um, know, we've even seen that, you know, as we talk about our numbers. We're seeing everything kind of plateauing off and finding like an, an even keel of we're not doing the gigantic spikes. We are very much even keeling off at this point. And it's just, this is what we're doing now. And right. it's nice. It's nice and calm. We're not seeing like we did in the beginning of the year where we had the 15 offers and we're going forty, fifty thousand $50,000 above asking. We're now starting to see much more reasonable mm-hmm. pricing. And, you know, now it's a little bit back to maybe 5,000 above asking. So it, it's been really nice to see that it's been plateauing off and very excited. And even numbers from FHFA, CoreLogic, S&P case, Schiller studies, you know, they're all trending that, yes, we've, we've seen an increase this year and we should see increases because the market should always appreciate mm-hmm. the prices of housing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with the poor market decisions back in 2008, that's what really caused the crash, um, bad lending choices and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we're currently not in any sort of situation that that's going to happen again. Right. Um, they've created also a home price forecast for 2022. And Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac are predicting perhaps 7% increases in home prices for 22 and they're the highest on this list. The MBA uh, is about 5.2 Zelman associates is three and national association of realtors is about 2.8. So they're also about 3% mm-hmm. thinking that the forecast for next year, we're going to appreciate, appreciate about you know, 3%. Right. Now, none of these are even close to what appreciation we saw these last couple of years of 13, 15, 18%. So mm-hmm. we're again, again, we're showing that their forecast to plateau. And this is, of course, nationwide, and certain markets are going to be more wild than others. They always are. Uh, in our case, the Rome market is usually a little bit uh, crazy when the season opens up and the weather starts turning right. again. Right. The, those first couple of weeks are always fun. Yes. Um, but like you said, afford, affordability, you know, is that about to crush the housing market? I, I really don't think so. I mean, we look at, 
you know, the interest rates that are out there were now roughly again, still at that 3.8, 4.0. So again, if we look at kind of interest rates from way back when, um, when I bought my house, oh gosh, back in 2009, I mean, we're at six, 7%. So being able to have that is again, it's going to be one of those things of the interest rates are nice and low, which makes the, the ability to buy on what you make is extremely great. So. So those are a couple of questions that mm-hmm. were also brought up. So the, is a, a lack of affordability about to crush the market? And then are mortgage rates rising enough? Shouldn't I wait until they come back down? Right. So kind of those two will go a little bit kind of hand in hand. They do. Um, so the, the mortgage rate that we're looking at as far as graphically, right. we, we go all the way back, way back to 2008, 2009? 2000. Okay. All the way back. Okay. To- all the way back to 2000. I brought up uh, 2009 just because that's when I purchased my first home. Right. Well, it's hard to read my that the numbers upside down. I know they're really teeny tiny. Yeah. So anyway, two two thousand. So okay, two thousand. Twenty two years ago. Twenty two years ago, the interest rates were at eight point five. Okay, and what were they in two thousand nine nationally? Two thousand nine nationally was five point zero four. Okay. Now we've seen a relative trend here graphically of the statistics where those mortgage rates are trending down. Mm-hmm. And that's to balance with economic demand and all those other economic factors. Um, one of the things that people think correlate with these mortgage rates, and it does, is inflation. Uh, some people think it's inflation of housing prices. Other people consider the inflation of like the umbrella of all of the goods and services overall. Mm-hmm. So when the Fed pushed down mortgage or, or interest rates overall, that obviously affected the mortgage rates, but it also affected so many other lending points. And right. that, that was to curb the um, hopefully not economic decline of the pandemic. Because if you can refinance your house at a super low interest rate, so maybe you bought it in 2000 at 8%, and you can refinance in at two. My goodness, that how much more money is going to be in your pocket? Right, that you can be spending on something else, right? On fixing out the properties, and this is kind of we kind of start to overlap some of the graphs a little bit. So those mm-hmm. distressed homes that were purchased back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, eleven, um, yeah, they were they were purchased great. They were able to redo kind of flip those homes those homes are now starting to come back on the market because they were able to throughout the years kind of refinance right so that way it puts a little bit more money in their pocket they can put it back into their homes bring those homes up as far as the equity because Mm -hmm. if we bought it for 60 we might be able to depending upon how the market looks and the style of home you could sell it for 120 or 125 you can almost double your money because the market has responded and you've done a great job of fixing up some of those distressed homes. Now, there's a lot that you talked about right in that little nugget. I know. Okay. So one of the things that uh, a bunch of the, okay, we, we talk here a lot about the real estate aspect because that's what we know and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. But the other benefits of that low interest rate push during the pandemic was a lot of refinancing for just general refinance, bring your monthly payment down. Mm-hmm. Um, that also helped strengthen the banks because now you've got a 20-year mortgage that someone had been paying on for 10 years, you know, around their 30. So now it's down to 20 years. Now they've extended that out to 30 again. So it's going to strengthen the interest that the banks are getting, which pushes that back into the economy overall. But then also the um, equity loans, okay, home equity financing loans, mm-hmm. so that people are pulling out that equity but staying in their home and they're continuing to play the long game that real estate is. 
So you also talked about that long game because when you had purchased a property back in 2010, 2011, maybe even so a decade ago, we've seen so much growth in the market and so much growth in the economy that you now have an enormous amount of equity. Um, we've take, take a look at sometimes growth. And like, like we said at the beginning, when we started going through these questions, normal housing price growth is that three to 5% every year. Mm -hmm. And it just happens with the downturn in 08 that really pushed those growth numbers negative, unfortunately. So we've made all that ground back up because we look at if that didn't happen, if we would have trended continually four-ish percent every year, we would be to the price points that we are now. Right. So 2020 really just swung heavy and now we had a huge market correction, but now we've corrected and going forward, hopefully we're back to, again, a normal trend of three to 5% growth every year. All right. The affordability index okay. is Break always that down. I, I know that the that's always a big question. Right. That we get a little bit from from buyers or from buyers' parents. Either or. Either De or depending who's who's more savvy. Mm -hmm. Um so the housing affordability index is an actual statistical um input and output, and it's 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 very numeric. It's it's a formula. It does this thing. Um, to put some feeling to it so people understand it, we try to explain it as if someone's income is a certain amount, then, you know, uh, usually lenders like to say of your gross income, maybe 25%, and it varies, but let's say 25% is, is normal, will go toward your home, your principal interest, tax, and, and insurance. insurance. Because that, I mean, if you have a mortgage, you're going to be paying insurance to cover the property so that if it does get damaged, then the mortgager gets their asset. Correct. And we always pay the government. Yes. Death and taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So the 25% of your overall income, what is that a month? Okay. So once you figure that out, then that correlates with what are the housing prices for the area? Housing prices... Currently, median housing prices in our area are right about 150000 Correct. Um, when you started back in 2017, we were looking at one hundred twenty, hundred thirty thousand. Yes. So it's increased, but it's still relatively affordable if you look at what it was back in 2017 versus now in 2021. Have people's incomes changed? Perhaps. Mm -hmm. And we've seen overall that, you know, people get raises, people might have more opportunity for secondary income, um, side hustles, you know, all that jazz. They might have the primary source of income, but now with the internet, you know, especially with the pandemic, how can we work from home, create a second stream of income? We've seen a lot of more homemade stuff come on the market mm -hmm. and it's been great. Yes. So, if someone's income is still that and 25% can get them to whatever monthly payment that is and what the mortgager will allow. So that's how the statistics kind of work themselves out. The affordability index pretty much says if you've got a $250,000 Purchase price. Per purchase price. And the average person in your area can afford a $250,000 home. You're even. It's at, it's at 100%. Okay. okay. So now if that person could afford $250,000, but your average or median sale price is half that, which would be 125000 Right which we kind of are right now, mm -hmm. that affordability index is going to be about 
150%. Okay. I, I think, or, or some somewhere sort of in that. there. Yeah. So currently we're at an affordability index of 151. Okay. And that is about that. So your family income is good and strong and you're in this area, especially here in central Wisconsin, you can afford quite a bit of house. Right. So the affordability index, we can look back at all the way to 1990 in this um, particular graph, and it was right about 100%, 108. Coming up to year 2000, it was 122. It was back down to 108 in 2006. When the distressed properties came online about uh, 2011 or so, 2010, 2011, um, affordability was at 197, 186, because you were still having people overall making a good income, but now the distressed properties really put a burden on the property's values, right? So like you said, you, you bought that home for $60,000. Well, yeah, you've got equity in it instantly. Mm -hmm. Instantly. And because that house for $60,000 three or four years before was still worth more than that. It was worth maybe 70,000. Right. But now it's worth in the hundreds. So everything does correlate and everything does sort of balance out. And we are not way off the whack of housing being unaffordable. Um, like I said, this kind of goes again with inflation overall. So price of goods, uh, gasoline, milk, eggs, bread, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. People might feel like it's not as affordable. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of personal choices that go with that too. Right. For and, you know, we kind of look at, there's a lot of homes, a lot of families in the area that live very much within their means. You know, they don't try to extend way over so that way if something would happen, mm -hmm. you know, can I still afford the home? Can I still afford the cars? So that way I'm not, it's not going to be a financial burden for my family. So it's always really nice to see that because we do get families that come in and they say, well, the bank says I can spend 250000 but really I only want to spend maybe 200 of that. You know, can we find something in that price range? Because I don't want to overextend just because the bank says you can doesn't mean you always should, but if you can, great, go for it. And it's kind of a nice feeling that, you know, you're doing something right. Right. And the bank agrees with you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's always a good thing when the bank agrees with you. Well, and, you know, it's starting to become more troublesome now because we've got more options for our, you know, liquidity funds because Starbucks just opened up in town. Yes. Mm -hmm. I've yet to go mm -hmm. there. Um, we've discovered that Starbucks coffee is not good for Carrie. So um, it's the one place I will probably not go just because I'll be up for three days. It, it gets you kind of jazzed up. Yeah, it gets me all jazzed up. So as much as I did love Starbucks back in the day, um, mm -hmm. it's just a place I know that is definitely not a place to go for coffee for me. But as far as the economy goes, there are so many options to spend your money. Mm -hmm. um, I think really see, and I can't put quite numbers to it or, you know, get the, the value, um, in a, a hardened way, but I feel like so many more people locally, especially are, are, are really saying, Hey, I want to buy a house. I see the value in it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to spend all of my money on wasteful things, you know, comparatively to a house, you know, something that's maybe on a whim that I wouldn't get. Right. Or I only get one instead of five random things. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, we've even seen with our with our own children of, you know, this is what you're paying for rent. This is what you could be paying for for your own place. You know, what would you like to do? You know, at least their money's working for you if you buy something versus you're giving your money to somebody else. So, you know, we were able to get our, our oldest into a home and he's enjoyed that very much. And so now we're. We're kind of glad. We're, we're happy to see him. He's doing his adult thing. So it's always very nice to see that. And we know that sometimes home ownership is not for everyone. You know, right. they do like the whole entire idea of renting. That way they don't have the responsibilities. 
And that's great. That is perfect for you. And we support everybody in their their decisions as far as, you know, homeownership. And we're also seeing a lot of um, landlords who have had those investment properties for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now they're looking at, hey, this is a really good time to cash in on that yep. and put that toward retirement. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity is really coming about for a younger generation of investors. And we're seeing that happen. Yes. Yeah. So not just getting your, your own singular single family home, but maybe a, a second home as well. Or you're renting and you purchase a house as an investment that you rent to then someone else. Um, and as a national trend, that is huge, hugely popular. Because that then you get both those savvy investors who have you know, really good jobs and they don't want to spend their stuff frivolously, you know, they'll, they'll have their, you know, their, their hobbies, their, their hobbies, their, you know, whims and things that, you know, I just got to have this. And I go out and get coffee with the guys every Sunday. You know. Star Wars Lego set. Right. But they're, they're very focused on those types of things and not, just wasting all that money on so many other things as well. So mm-hmm. they're really focused on that. And then see the, you're right. It is a good investment to invest in real estate. It is. Yeah. And then they're also accommodating to those people who want to rent because it's not for them to, you know, at their point in life, perhaps, or in their financial plan to go ahead and, and purchase their own house. So, renting and everybody's winning. This is great. It's a win-win situation. So it is the holidays. It is. Um, so if you guys are listening and you realize Santa was on last week, well, we're going to have him back. All right. So he's going to come back for our, for a little sneak peek of mm-hmm. little chat. So stay tuned for hour two. That'll be there. And you mentioned open houses. So Look for the open houses starting up again in, in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it's not just going to be us in the office, but the rest of the agents in the firm as well are going to be ramping up their open houses. Yep. And it's one of those great things that we're actually able to list some homes and get the open houses back. Because again, with the pandemic, we weren't able to. But then also at the same time, homes were selling that fast where we couldn't do the open houses. Right. But at this point, we are definitely going to be getting some open houses back and bringing it in for the new year. So check out your favorite place to find open houses, whatever that might be, the paper or uh, your online portal. You can always check out myrapids.com, check out the local listings, and we do have the open houses listed down there as well. Excellent. Sounds great. So we'll be right back. Sounds good. Sounds good. 